0: John likes second lives in Indiana, you know. Kevin likes the Dodgers and talks on the radio. John plays games on Xbox and on his Nintendo. While Kevin runs around LA with his mustachio, it's the Lack of Genius podcast in your ear holes at last. They don't know their Mars and Venus, that's why it's the Lack of Genius podcast. It almost, it's almost something comforting about hearing that jingle, isn't there, John? Right. Yeah, it's there like hearing, is. It's like hearing an old friend
1: it is yeah
0: i guess my point is it's been a minute since we've since we've been on here and you know we do the we do the episode a month so it's fewer and further between but uh just hearing it was like ah yes my home lack of genius <laughs> here we are it's good to see you yeah. i guess is what i'm saying
1: it, it is it's good to see you too kevin i hope you had a good holidays between christmas and uh the new year's and your birthday
0: Yeah. Thank you, man. I hope you did too. And, you know, we've been, you and I have obviously been in touch throughout that. um, But I know the audience hasn't. So, um, you know, as much as I wish you all that, I wish the audience as well. I hope everyone had a good uh, Christmas, New Year's. There's a certain kind of reset that comes with, uh, with the new year coming in just by default. And people make their resolutions. And, and, you know, one thing I'm committed to is, is creative pursuits and this is one of them. And so I'm, uh, mm-hmm. I'm happy to be on here and, um, and, and doing this, doing this podcast thing. Yeah, I'm happy too. And, um, and in terms of this episode, it is just you and I, in case uh, the listener has not figured that out yet, yeah. we don't have a guest and, and we're throwing it back to what, what, what are we calling this episode? We've done this before.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, that's what we call music volume two
0: time too yes because we did a we did it now that's what we call music volume one several months back now where john quiz uh, maybe even years yeah i was gonna say it may be over a year now um yeah. we should we should look in and see when we did that jo- john quizzed me on sea shanties and i quizzed john on um on ska music and it was a lot of fun to do and John suggested we do another one, and I was all kinds of game for it. So, uh, so what are you doing today for
1: us? So originally, do techno, and then in my research, techno uh-huh. is technically just a subgenre of oh. the greater electronic dance music. So technically, your quiz is on EDM.
0: That's if, yeah. in case you didn't know, that's what EDM stands for: electronic dance music. Mm-hmm. But um, you, you popularly, I think, I think when we were growing up. We always called it Techno, but te- I guess what you're saying is Techno has evolved in name to just being EDM. Yeah.
1: Well, and to not, not spoil the quiz, EDM has always kind of been the overarching name. Um, okay. It's just because of the rave culture and everything and association with drugs, they've tried to rebrand getting away from like Techno or House or, you know, and just using EDM as the overarching got it
0: okay that's interesting and i won't ask too much follow-up because like you said i don't want to i don't want to spoil the quiz but that is very interesting because i do feel like when i hear techno and house music and i'm not i'm not plugged into that culture in general so i have to say that but that does seem like to me like a 90s thing you know like i don't hear i don't i don't hear a lot about that i know it very much still exists but but i hear a lot about edm that's for sure so um so i kind of get what you're saying
1: yeah. Um, and I, and uh, I was doing some looking here. Our uh, first, now that's what we call music. It was episode 10.
0: No. August of 2021. Beat, huh? August, 2021. So it's been a year yeah. and almost a half. Yeah. A year in a few months. Oh that's wild. Yeah, that uh, now that I think about it that is sort of log history. That that uh, like when I think about the early days of log I think about shanty songs, you know. I think about right. I think about ska- That yeah, double digit. Well, here we are. We're long overdue for this. And it's funny that you sort of had to mm-hmm. give a technicality of like, well, the genre of music I chose techno is technically not a genre of music because I'm <laughs> kind of in the same it's a subgenre. Yeah, exactly. I mean it, and it totally counts and I and I get it, but right. but I have not yet confirmed whether mine is technically a genre of music. I am doing cover songs and cover songs are a little bit more of a, it's definitely, I mean, maybe it's a genre. I don't know, but you don't, you don't often hear people saying, my favorite genre of music is cover songs. You know, it's, it's, um, it's a style of song. It's an influencer of, of creating music. Um, but I, I was going back and forth, about what to what to do and i i'll tell you john i almost did country music because i work at a one of the stations i work for as a country music station but i was like Mm -hmm. i really want to do something that i i don't know that i really i I like country music now a little bit more than i ever did but anyways i I don't know the reason why i ultimately decided not to i'm doing cover songs and and that's that and i don't care what you say john okay (laughs) sounds good tidy up before we go go any further with the show show tidy up before we go go Fix our mistakes tonight I wanna get it right Tidy up You know I'm excited anytime I get to say the name Barry Goldmeyer on an episode of right. Black Genius, right? And if, if for those of you listening that don't immediately recognize that name, or maybe it's because you're a new listener, Barry Goldmeyer was a former guest on our show, known for his juggling uh, skills. Juggling being the sport of running and juggling simultaneously.
1: Mm-hmm. And which was episode I, 22.
0: I was just gonna ask you if you had that up still. So so we we had doubled episodes uh, since our shanty time, but he was one of the early guests. And he was somewhat. Well, I go into this story every time. I met him, I met him randomly at SoFi Stadium while we were on the field for this private tour. And he changed my life forever when I saw him joggling on the sidelines. And we got in touch and he came on the show. Well, he sent us, John, a holiday greeting. Mm-hmm. He just, he just, uh, this is why I love Barry because he'll just randomly drop us a note from time to time. Uh, like when the Dodgers were in the playoffs, he sent me a note. And, and so I, basically, I just want to share this update that he sent to me. And in the email, he says, "Happy holidays, Kevin and John." With about eleven exclamation points, that's not an exaggeration. He says, "Wishing you all the best." And he says, "I couldn't find John's email, so wishing you both uh, happy holidays with lack of genius." So he uh, he meant this for both of us, but he only had my email. Um, and the update he made is that he made it through the busy fall marathon schedule. He does full on marathons of joggling. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, "He says I was a little surprised I made it. It's getting harder and it's more exhausting." But i will probably keep going as long as i can juggle ahead of the straggler vehicle because on marathons there's like a a vehicle in the back and if you if you can't keep pace with that they kind of just have to politely tell you to get off so so his plan (laughs) is to go as long as he can stay ahead of that vehicle he says he did a couple 10ks dressed as santa before marathons the next day and he attached a picture he says i attached a picture of me at the san antonio 10k the day before the San Antonio Marathon. And he's dressed as Spurs Santa. And he also did one as Mav Santa. That's for the Dallas Mavericks the day before at the Dallas Marathon. And he says, no way I could be a Cowboy Santa and juggle football. See, I, I think because he is not a Cowboys fan. So he chose to go with the Dallas Mavericks instead. So he did a few and he's also very excited. This is This is the best thing. I don't know if you read this, John. But he ends the email saying, I signed up for the LA Marathon March nineteenth. Period. I know John is from Indiana. Period. That's that's how he that's how he wrapped it up. Meaning, right. Meaning, like, hey, I can see you, Kevin, but not John because because uh, when he first did the podcast, he thought we were both in LA, and mm-hmm. he was mad at me for not sharing that fact with him. But anyways, man, I thought it was good to hear from from Barry. Yeah. I forwarded that email to you, right? Yeah, you did. Cool. Yeah, so the the picture of him at uh, for the Baltimore Marathon, he's wearing all Ravens gear in terms of his shirt, his jersey, and his shorts. Mm-hmm. But he's got a Baltimore Orioles Santa hat on, and he's juggling an Orioles baseball bat, an Orioles baseball, and a Ravens football. So I... Well, and, and the Ravens football drops.
1: is normal size. The bat is, you know, think like a smaller whiffle bat and the uh, ball yes. is about the baseball is about the same size as the football is long so yeah
0: it's it's like not, a basketball sized baseball this isn't yeah this yeah. isn't a regular baseball yeah i should have clarified that <laughs> And he's got Santa's belt on as well. So, uh, and a Mm -hmm. Santa beard. I'm leaving out the, yeah. The long story short here is Barry Goldmeier is a gem of a human being. And any, any chance I get to have him on, I'm going to, I'm going to take some kind of opportunity. So we just wanted to give you that update and uh, let's move on to our quiz then. and, And shout out Barry. Thanks for being you, bud. It's time to take a quiz or two. Like a genius podcast doing this for you. I just wanna pass one because I failed enough. Might sound crazy, but it ain't no lie, baby. It's quiz time. I know we didn't decide this beforehand, but why don't you get us started with EDM? I think I'm uh, to be honest, I'm pretty excited to learn and see what your quiz is all about. So so if you don't mind, why don't you why don't you jump in and be number one?
1: Yeah, sounds good. I mean mine's a little bit more about history of EDM and everything. And the first question is is when did EDM kind of start? Um, Is is that exactly how you have it worded in whatever you type? Kind of start? When did it kind of start? Um, (laughs) The 60s, the 70s, the 80s, or the 90s.
0: Wow. Wow. Okay. So I kind of said earlier how 90s is what I associate techno as and and techno house, all that kind of stuff. I don't think that's when it started. 80s is what jumps out to me because I'm just thinking with computer technology. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm just going to say the 80s is when it kind of started.
1: Correct. Yeah. so So the 80s are when it kind of started. But I mean, you can technically along the timeline of electronic music. I Mm -hmm. could go back to all all the way to the forties. So it just depends on what you consider really to be electronic dance music. I 60s and seventies is where a lot of it really started picking up steam disco, something called kraut rock, which was West Germany at the time in the sixties ambient music in the sixties in Germany and Jamaica and the UK. Um, you know, things came from that. You know, and when we were talking about ska, you know, a year and a half ago, that was kind of derived off of stuff from Jamaica. Yeah. EDM is kind of the same. Really? Yeah. So a, a good uh chunk of its precursors, you know, was dub, uh, which was a form of music in Japan. Um, there's an Italian in Japan guy. Japan or Jamaica? Jamaica.
0: Oh, got it, got it. Okay. You yeah. said you said Japan, and I was like, wait a minute. Oh, I'm at yeah, Jamaica, wait, sorry.
1: Well, you know, dub was a form of, of Jamaica music stemming from reggae and sound system culture. And so their DJ in Jamaica is different than what we refer to as a DJ in the U.S. So, you know, in the U.S., a DJ is just one kind of like, you know, a disc jockey, where yeah. in Jamaica, they're, you know, singing over the, the records and the, and the songs and changing them a lot and stuff. Uh, which is kind of, you know, what you see, think of a, as a DJ, uh, you know, like Fatboy Slim or Dead Mouse or sure. whatnot, where they're, they're uh. taking other stuff and adding to it. And so, you know, there's also some bands from, and groups from the sixties. Um, if you've listened to, I think it's their last album, uh, from Daft Punk, they actually have one that's got an interview with uh, a guy by the name of Giorgio oh. Mortar. Um, yes. Who was an Italian uh, producer from the disco era? He kind of led into EDM as well as a band called Kraftwerk um, uh-huh. and from Germany and then a Japanese group called Yellow Magic Orchestra. Uh, oh my God. So, whatever
0: was part of that?
1: Yeah, he was, he's kind of, he, he did a lot of uh, synth based disco music, uh, which kind yeah. of fed into the European EDM and stuff.
0: Yeah, so that Daft Punk track, is. Do you, do you know the name of it? I can't remember the name of it. But, I think it's just um, called Mordor.
1: No, um, well, give me a moment. It's not called Mordor, G- G- but it, has, it says featuring.
0: Yeah, and, and he says something like, My name is Giorgio Mordo. but my friends call me Giorgio. And, it, and that's literally in the song. It's such a great moment. Yeah. And and the interview literally consists of him kind of speaking about the first time that he mm-hmm. realized like, oh, if I just put a click track here and I like it, it was basically the birth of electronic yeah. music in some ways. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and the song is just called Giorgio by Morator.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's a it's a, it's a great song. I know it doesn't sound like it'd be a great song because it's talking. No, it, it's, yeah, it, it, no, it's good. It's so, so, it's so good. Yeah. Very yeah, cool. That, that, Very that's cool. Kind of right.
1: when EDM started, it really got big in the '80s and, and everything. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later.
0: Okay, cool. So the '80s is kind of when it started, but yeah, like anything, there's sort of this grayness and this vagueness of like, well, technically it could have started way back when. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Well, here's number here's number one on cover songs, and and like most things with music and with charts, there's there's a certain gray area with this as well. Let me read the question first. What is the most successful cover song? in billboards history and the reason that i sort of do the prefacing is because billboard you know billboard ranks based on sales radio play and online streaming so there isn't a there isn't a one all like this had the highest x you know this had but billboard did release a top 10 basically biggest songs of all time most successful this is how billboard uh, ranks it, and so this is based on that list. Okay, so this is okay. this is the top ten. There's a the top ten songs, and one of the songs at the at near the top is a cover song. So here we go. Most successful cover song in Billboard's history is it A. Johnny Cash, Hurt. B. Pink, Maya, Christina Aguilera, Lil Kim's Lady Marmalade. C. The Fugees, Killing Me Softly. Or D. Chubby Checker's The Twist. All cover songs. One of them is uh, more successful than all the rest. I'd have to say it's probably one successful. of the first two
1: because I mean, when first, when Hurt when Johnny Cash came back out with Hurt with Hurt, that kind of re-kick started his career before he died. But I mean, at yeah. the same time, Lady Marmalade was a huge song. Yep. Um, but did it have staying power? Hurt did. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Hurt. Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash version Hurt. done by Dinah's Nails.
0: Correct on that, yes. So most successful cover in cover song in Billboard history, you're saying Johnny Cash "Hurt." That is incorrect. Uh, I'm very sorry. This was a this was a surprise to me because I w- I would have thought it was something like that. It was Chubby Checker's "The Twist." The Twist. Uh, a A song from the 60s, The Twist, which, oh my gosh, I don't even have the information on it. Uh, the, The original version was not nearly as successful. Oh, Hank Ballard and the Midnighters were the ones to originally do it, I believe. Yeah, 1958. But Chubby Checker's version was done in 1960, which was only three years later. In fact, that was a very popular trend amongst cover songs. Early days... It was usually done. The, these covers would come out only like two or three years later. Cover songs, really, the the birth of them is all consumer based. It's all it's all capitalism. It's how do we make more money? It's how do we capitalize on the song that was a success? Songs that were already kind of hits, and we're gonna we're gonna capitalize on it and make even more money. So, Chubby Checker is the twist. Actually, number two on Billboard's. Uh, most successful songs of all time number one for the record just and this is why i sort of preface i was i was shocked by this the number one most successful song of all time in billboards histories is the weekend's blinding lights which was Hmm. just a few years ago and i i think i i like that song i think i know it was very successful but i never in a million years would have thought That's the most successful billboard song of all time. So that's why it's all very strange to me. But then you get Santana's Smooth and Uptown Funk is on that list. So songs that kind of make a little more sense. But there you go. Chubby Checker's The Twist," most successful billboard cover song of all time.
1: Cool. So, you know, it started in the 80s, mainly because of a certain device. And what device is credited as helping create the genre? Uh, The Fender Strat, the Moog Synth. The Roland TR eight oh eight or the Apple II. Wow.
0: I was expecting something to immediately jump out at me and it didn't necessarily, but what I will say is as you were reading the choices, I was thinking eight oh eight, because that's the that's the, the I didn't know that term for a long time and it's mentioned in so much music especially hip-hop, and it's basically a programming machine that like, you can drop a beat to. I saw this really cool YouTube video of a, of a demonstration of 808s, and it may be the right answer. It may not be, but I, what I do know is it did revolutionize music creation in general. So I'm just going to pick that one, the one that's got 808 in it.
1: Yeah, that's correct. The role in TR-808. And yeah, that that came out in the early 80s. And there's specifically one song, uh, Planet Rock by Africa Bambada, that Mm. really defined it using both the TR-808, kind of brought that into play, as well as kind of defining that electro-funk sound that the rest of EDM kind of went off of. As one author put it, Planet Rock is the template for all interesting dance music since. Uh, Whoa, crazy! So, actually, Marvin Gaye on "Sexual Healing" used the TR 808, and so it really redefined things. You know, being able to just tap out that drum beat, not having to have the the full drummer, and it had a very specific sound. I you you've heard it, you probably didn't know that's what you were hearing. Mm -hmm. But yeah,
0: Uh, Kanye West has it. I know not a popular man right now, but he has an album called 808s and heartbreaks, which is, uh, you know, obviously a clever rhyming title, but it's based Mm -hmm. on, you know, how everything revolves around this 808. Let me ask you this, John. Do you think that the term 808, if I said 808 to somebody on the street, do you think most people know what that is? No. Yeah, I don't either. I don't like I'm about to get on on my grumpy old man Kevin high chair, high seat, Hi, high chair feels more appropriate because I'm going to throw a fit. But when I hear like musicians and artists and DJs and, and talking about 808s, like everyone should know what this is, I'm a little bit like, mm-hmm. dude, can you please take the time to explain well, um, like, what this
1: device I, is? I, I would think the majority of people outside of like the the hip hop or even like the yeah. EDM space probably doesn't yeah. know the 808. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you you know, pop music, you know, other groups, you know, I know they use it and stuff, but it was only around the actual 808 was only around for three years from 1980 to 83. Oh yeah. Wow. And, and so, and you know, they came out, it. right. I mean, they came out with the 909 and 83. So yeah, the 808, that's, well, that's and- kind of what allowed EDM to really jump off.
0: Yeah. And I think it's great that you included it in this quiz because I, I do, I think it would be great if 808s was part of the vernacular a little bit more. And, and, and again, maybe I'm, maybe I'm sitting here as someone who's out of touch. And, and I think if you're talking to a really music intensive audience, then yeah, mm-hmm. they're going to know what 808s are. But I, I think yeah. it's cool for just the average person to be in on this really, um, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, big part of music history and uh, and it everything revolves around it i mean everything is produced today and it's just that that 808 crew made made all that possible so all right i think i'm two for two you're 0 for 1 to start yep. and here's number 2 about cover songs this is a pretty straightforward question which of these 80s hits these are all hits from the 80s is a cover song okay one of these is a cover song the other ones are not which is a cover song is it a pat benatar's hit me with your best shot B, Soft Cells, Tainted Love. C, Modern English, Melt With You. Or D, Eurythmic, Sweet Dreams Are Made Of This. Which is a cover song. You're familiar with all these songs, yes? Uh
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, Oh, no. Okay. Just making sure. I work for a station that plays these a lot, and so I I assume everyone knows, hit me with your best shot, and tainted love, and I'm out out with you, and uh, sweet dreams are made of this. There you go. I sang them all for you. You're welcome.
1: <laughs> I I think it's Pat Benatar's.
0: You think hit me with your best shot? Yep. All right. You locking that in? Yep. Sorry, John. It's incorrect. the The cover song is actually Soft Cell's "Tainted Love," and I kind of realized as I made the like. I had no clue that "Tainted Love" was a cover song. Is my whole point. And and um, there are so there's so many like hit eighty songs, and you just assume all of them are original. And there's one that's that's not. And there's no discredit to them. They they popularize this song. So the song "Tainted Love" was originally recorded in 1964 by Gloria Jones. And then uh, Soft Cell, they're a British synth pop duo. They covered it, and it it went big. I wondered if you would re- remember this, but um, two of these songs, "Soft Cells," "Tainted Love," and "Eurythmic Sweet Dreams," both of those were covered by Marilyn Manson after the fact. Yeah. So I, I wondered if 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 somehow that would come in to to affect your decision, but um, yeah, Marilyn Manson did like haunting yeah. versions of both of those songs. But uh, yeah, "Tainted Love," the only one that was uh, originally written and recorded by somebody else before it hit uh, hit big. Okay.
1: Cool. Okay. All right. What you got you for me for question next? number three. Yeah, let's do it. True or false? Detroit was once a major influencer in techno. Detroit, the city in Michigan. Mm -hmm. Wow, this is why
0: true or false questions are so good. Because, like, I mean, what I want to choose is true because I'm like, okay, there's probably a story there. But you could have just changed the city name, you know? You could, it could be a different city, or, or, or you know, I, I think the reason that I would immediately think no, just is because you think of Detroit as. I mean, I think about Eminem immediately, ironically, but also Motown was huge in Detroit. So that it's had history in music, but I wouldn't think EDM, but I'm going to choose true just because of that exact fact. So I'm going to say true. Correct.
1: Yay! Yeah. Um, it actually has its own subgenre called Detroit techno. Um, but no, yeah, Detroit oh. back in the late 80s, early 90s, you know, and keep in mind, you know, EDM really just started in the early 80s. Mm -hmm. Detroit was a hotbed uh, for techno. Um, In fact, there's three artists um, that are referred to as the Belleville Three. uh, Juan Atkins, Kevin Saunderson, and Derek May Mm -hmm. that kind of kicked it off there in Detroit. One person put it or described Detroit techno as being a complete mistake, like George Clinton (laughs) and Kraftwerk caught in an elevator with only a sequencer to keep them company. So it was kind of a fusion (laughs) of funk and electronic and, and everything. Uh, And Um, you can go find their stuff still on, um, on iTunes, like Apple music and stuff. So, but you know, Detroit wasn't the only place in the Midwest. Chicago also was a very big player as well. Well, man, Detroit
0: Detroit, quite eclectic because, yeah, I mean, uh, Detroit's got roots in, in, like I said, Motown, rock and roll, hip hop with Eminem, and and, and now, now we can add. Well, uh, and and, and one page. of
1: the things that, that Detroit techno was kind of known for is Afrofuturism. Um, which, if you've actually listened to any of Janelle Monae's stuff, that's her stuff is Afrofuturism. Um, no it's way. very sci-fi and actually really good. Yeah, wasn't stuff. her album? So
0: her album was something about like computers, wasn't it? Wasn't it? I yeah.
1: Well, I mean, she had like uh, three albums. It was basically like I mean, kind of like prog rock, almost. Like each album was a part of a story.
0: Dirty Computer so, is the name of it, and, and then there's one that's yeah, that, about, that was one the of the Arc Android. And The Electric mm-hmm. Lady. So yeah, all of it is in that. I, I never realized yeah. that. Yeah, it, did you, I, I did you watch have, Glass Onion yet?
1: Yes, I have.
0: I oh, okay, good. Let's really spoil good. it. No, we won't spoil it. <laughs> but Janelle Monae is amazing in that movie. Oh my God, she steals the yeah. show. She's so good. Very nice. So, I'm glad we got Janelle Monae m- mentioned in this episode. <laughs> All right, you get a true or false for number three as well. Here we go. I almost forgot to throw a true or false in. Uh, so here we go. Um, so I found this website called secondhandsongs.com. And this appears to be the best list of every cover song ever, like actually um licensed. You know, any anytime a song gets registered, they seem to be pretty up to date. Uh, it seems pretty legit. So according to secondhandsongs.com's list of the most covered songs of all time. The top 10 are all Christmas songs. Is that true or is that false? All 10 of the top 10 are Christmas songs.
1: Huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to say true.
0: Okay, locking it in. Yep. Ah. Sorry, John. This was very sneaky of me, but nine out of the 10 are Christmas ah. songs. <laughs> So, yes, the the point the point is the same, that the most covered songs of all time are, for, without a doubt, Christmas songs. But number two on the list is a non-Christmas song, It's Summertime, written by George Gershwin, Ira Gershwin, and Du Bois Hayward. Summertime and the living's easy. That is the second most covered yep. song of all time. But the other There's nine on the top ten... It is, and and ironically, uh, number eleven on the list is not a Christmas song either. It was um, uh, somewhere over the rainbow, but number one actually is. It's not even in English. It's ba- but it's the German "Silent Night, Holy Night." Uh, Still Nacht, Hage, Hagenacht. I don't know how to pronounce that, but that is the most covered song of all time. What's interesting, and what I couldn't quite find an answer for though, is number six on the list in English is "Silent Night, Holy Night," which. I'm guessing probably means that this was a cover. Silent Night was a cover of the German version, and then that version got covered from English. Um, In fact, this site is very clear to differentiate that technically a song that is covered from one language to another is an adaptation as opposed to a cover, but still, still in the same greater umbrella. So I think silent night was adopted from the german version was adapted mm-hmm. and then sense covered but uh yeah um so there you go lots of christmas songs in the cover world mm-hmm. so yeah it makes sense uh so i i believe oh man i'm God, i think you made your quiz easier for me i'm three for three and you're <laughs> zero for three and i will admit my my <laughs> quiz is not easy I, I i feel bad as i'm doing this because i'm like these are not easy but uh
1: carrying on here we go so what song from 1998 is credited as Mm. bringing dance music to the pop music listeners. So, you know, EDM was always (laughs) this thing in the background, right? You know, I know the first group that I really got into was the Chemical Brothers. And that would have been late 90s. A friend introduced them to me, you know, and then from there, Fatboy Slim, you know, Weapon of Choice, fantastic music video with uh, uh, Christopher Christopher Walken in it. You know, even references one of my favorite sci- sci-fi novels, Dune. Uh, cool, I didn't know that. Yeah, you know, Weapon of choice. Walk does, without, huh? yeah, walk without rhythm, and you won't attract the worm.
0: No way. By the way, and I know you still have this, but Fat Boy Slim's, um, what is their, what is their big hit? Uh, Praise you. That mm-hmm. music video. Was filmed at my local mall, the Delamo Mall, and oh. and it was Spike Jones dressed in character as this kind of eccentric dance teacher. Right. I, I even just recently learned that that was a character. For the longest time, I thought it was this really <laughs> weird eccentric dude, but it was all it was right. all an act. But it was happening. It was filmed in real time, and so the crowd that formed around them was real. Anyways, that I love Fatboy Slim for for yeah. all of the above.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you have Apple Music, you put together a really good playlist for New Year's Eve. This past year. So this is, you know, what kind of brought EDM, you know, dance music into the general mainstream pop music. And these are all songs have, from I 1998. Have
0: a, I have a guess. Al- I, I have a song coming to mind already. I'm going to see if it's, a, if it's a choice. I'm going to pick it for sure.
1: Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Getting Jiggy 98 with it was, such a, was such a weird year. Getting Jiggy it, was. With it Okay, Okay. Uh, go ahead. Uh, I, th- th- this is middle school for us, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ray of light by Madonna or uh-huh. jump, jive and wail by the Brian Setzer orchestra.
0: Okay. None of, none of the ones that I thought. So now I'm going to have to listen. Cl-
1: read, read those choices one more time. Uh, Tub thumping by Chumbawamba, Getting jiggy with it by Will Smith. Ray of light by Madonna or jump, jive and wail by Brian Setzer orchestra.
0: Okay, so at first when I hear that, I'm like, none of those are really electronic-y. Um, so, so none of them really jump out to me. The song that came to mind that I thought it was going to be was Eiffel 65's Blue. I'm blue, which I think was around, I know it was around that time. I don't know if it was 98. And by the way, there is a terrible cover that exists now by B.B. Rexa, And it's and it's usually, I think it's Dylan Francis. It's one of those DJs. And the, the oh, I, I'm not even going to get into
1: it. Um, so but blue came out in ninety nine.
0: Ninety nine. We just so, missed it.
1: We just missed yeah, it. Yeah. So the year after.
0: My memory of the song "Ray of Light" is that it kind of starts with uh, it's it's got a guitar, but it's kind of like cut up and choppy and like remixed a little bit. And so for that reason, I think I'm going to say that it was ra- that "Ray of Light" is the answer.
1: Yeah, that it is correct. <laughs> So, yeah, that kind of brought in, uh, made dance music popular. You know, Madonna was spending a lot of time over in England at that time. I think that was shortly before she married Guy Ritchie. And so it was, I mean, it was, it was produced by a British music producer as well. And so that's kind of got things rolling. So EDM has gone through rebranding and then it kind of got rebranded as Electronica, Oh, which okay. i don't know if kind of i kind of remember that term being used i just always said yeah. techno but Same. that was kind of the kickstart of getting to where we are now you know you had madonna then and then um tiesto yeah who was a dutch producer um he uh helped provide the soundtrack for the uh 2004 summer olympics um oh. and so that kind of really started that i mean and then you got daft punk who you know Staff Punk's been around for a long time, but they started becoming popular over here. You know, you got uh, JT's Sexy Back, you know, it kind of just started building. You know, you've got Black Eyed Peas, Uh, I Got a Feeling, where it was kind of that. And then um, Skrillex, with what became known as Bro Step, you know, basically Dubstep, but it was that harsher, more aggression, you know, taking stuff from heavy metal and stuff. And so that was kind of what led up to everything started with Madonna.
0: Never would have guessed that. By the way, Black Eyed Peas, I got a feeling number eight on Billboard's most successful songs of all time. But it's so interesting hearing that because, well, now every song is like a DJ with, uh, you know, and so it's, but it was so uncommon then. Like it was like Madonna setting a trend, literally was setting a trend. Yeah. Well, it's crazy because I remember a very distinct time, maybe like twenty twelve thirteen fourteen in that in that range, maybe even earlier, but like names like Calvin Harris started to become names on big hits and and Mm -hmm. you know you already mentioned a few but like Tiesto and David Guetta like it it became to where you're hearing this song that it's the artist is Calvin Calvin Harris and the song is this is what you came for right and you listen to it and you see this male name but you hear Rihanna singing the whole time you know right um and it it became a thing where the the person behind the track actually got to be the artist whereas before that i think it was like madonna carried the load but there was somebody else doing kind of the the, the dirty work behind the scenes mm-hmm. and and so then at some point yeah the the artist creating the track actually got to be recognized as as the artist and and the singer yeah. just sort of showed up and sang you know which is kind of how pop yeah. music goes unfortunately all right Wow! Did I just go four for four? Let's see if we can let's yeah. see if we can uh, each go perfect in the opposite directions here. All right, so I'm rooting for you to miss this one officially, John. <laughs> Which of these hit cover songs from the '60s was written and originally released by Otis Redding? In fact, I, I misworded that song. Which of these hit songs? So, not all of these are cover songs. In fact, only one of them is a cover song. Which of these, basically, which of these songs is a cover song is the way I'm asking it. But these are all hits from the 60s. And which one of them was originally written and released by Otis Redding? Is it A, The Rolling Stones, I Can't Get No Satisfaction? B, Etta James, At Last? C, Aretha Franklin's Respect? Or D, Marvin Gaye's Ain't No Mountain High Enough?
1: I think it's the Rolling Stones. I
0: can't get no satisfaction.
1: Yeah. you. Gonna I don't know it? why I think it is, but that's what I'm going with.
0: <laughs> All right, John, we're still trending in the right direction then. Uh, it is, I was so surprised to learn this, Aretha Franklin's Respect, which is a song that, you know, really, I mean, she's got tons of hits, right? But mm-hmm. really defined her in a lot of ways and people associate with her. And so I was shocked to learn that it was not an original song by her. Uh, Otis, Otis, Otis Redding released it originally in 1965, and then hmm. uh, two years later, Aretha Franklin released it. So again, that was very much the trend in that time of right. uh, somebody releasing it, but then very soon after. And yeah, it became a huge hit. I love that it was Otis Redding as a music icon, obviously, and and most famous for, for mm-hmm. sitting on the dock of the bay. And I think that's very cool that he had a hand in, in one of the biggest yeah. kind of R&B soul songs of all time.
1: Okay, so, so there you go. Moving on to... Final question. Okay, and, let's see you know, if I can go perfect. So which ADM act was the first one to sell out Madison Square Garden? Oh my goodness, what a great question. Daft Punk, Fat Boy yeah. Slim, Dead Mouse, uh-huh. or Swedish House Mafia?
0: Oh boy, those are massive, massive artists. Daft Punk is, I mean, Daft Punk, I I love Daft Punk. I mean, who kind of who doesn't? They're just <sighs> All right. Read those choices to me one more time. Make sure I got all four of them. Daft
1: Punk, Fatboy Slim, Mm -hmm. Deadmau5, or Swedish House Mafia.
0: I'm trying to think when this would have happened, like when they would have sold it out. And Fatboy Slim was huge. I don't mean to discredit Fatboy Slim, but I just have a hard time seeing Madison Square Garden sold out. But it could have been. Oh, I really want to go perfect now too. (laughs) Uh, Swedish House Mafia. I think of Swedish House Mafia as more current, but they've been around forever as well. Current meaning like they had a big hit when I was on Amp Radio like five, ten years ago. But they they had plenty of stuff going on before that. I'm going to choose Daft Punk because they they were the first thing I thought of. But for some reason, I think it was earlier than, than even them. But I'm going to choose Daft Punk and keep my fingers crossed, locking it in. Incorrect. Oh, dang it. So close. It was so close. Swedish
1: House Mafia in December of 2011.
0: It was in 2011. Wow. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the... I, I can't even think of the title of the one Swedish House Mafia
1: song that, that is huge. It'll come I mean, me. I It'll come I, me I know Google. that they're around. I've not listened to them a whole lot. You know, I would love to go see Fat Boy Slim sometime and as well as, you know, Chemical Brothers. Yeah. I think deadmau Mouse could be fun. The one band that I won't be able to go see is The Prodigy uh, only because... Oh, yeah, uh, he passed away. One of their lead singers, he died.
0: yeah. You know, Wild, uh, don't you worry, child," was the song. "Don't you worry, don't you worry, child." Uh, seriously, heaven's got a plan for you. That's a uh, Swedish House Mafia's big one. And um, man, Prodigy, college, my friend, my best friend, Danny, and I, we used to dance like crazy to "Smack My Bitch Up." Pardon the language, but <laughs> we would just go. We would just get silly. Right. And Prodigy, oh man, Prodigy has some hits.
1: Yeah, firestarter All
0: right, firestarter. Yeah, that's one I couldn't think of. Yes. Oh god, I could listen to that stuff all day. That's amazing. Well, um right. all right, so I went 4 for 5. You're 0 for 4, so maybe maybe this means you're going to go 1 for 5. Let's let's see what happens. But here is the last one. Which 80s one-hit wonder singer, okay? Which 80s one-hit wonder singer covered the Foo Fighters with their acoustic version of Everlong in 2020? So during the pandemic, one hit wonder 80s singer covered everlong. Was it A, Rick Astley, who we know from Never Gonna Give You Up? B Corey Hart, who we know from Sunglasses at Night. C, Tommy Two-Tone, who did 8675309. Or D Tony Basil, who did Mickey.
1: I want to say it was Rick Astley. And I think i I think I saw like saw it, like watched the video of it.
0: You got a memory of seeing Rick Astley doing yeah. Everlong.
1: Yeah. I think that's who. Okay, it was. you choosing it? Yeah.
0: All right, Rick Astley is correct. John, look at us—we both both broke the trend. I went four for five. You <laughs> went one for five, and you did see that video. And I—I I wondered if I sent it to you, but I don't think I ever did. In fact, I
1: no, I, kept... I don't. I don't think you sent it to me.
0: I don't but, think so either because I, I have a note in my phone of just random weird things that I've learned because I thought maybe I could use this in an episode at some point And sure enough, I got to. I was like, Rick Astley yeah. covered Everlong and it's really pretty good. I mean, look, it's him with an acoustic guitar. And so mm-hmm. there, there's nothing too over the top about it, but his voice sounds great. He does a little bit of a fun little thing with his guitar mm-hmm. and, that, and that sounds good. So I'd highly recommend... Going and looking up the video, and then it 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 became such a popular video, which surprised Rick Astley and everybody. Right, that uh, that he did release it as a single, and you know I, I, I'm sure it performed decently. It's not like it was a hit, but um, uh, I want to give credit to uh, a pop culture article that I saved. Oh, I, I had the, anyways they uh, w- they did an article on this, and that's where I got some of my information. And the subtitle of the article mm. is "Consider Yourself Rick Grold. See, because instead <laughs> of, because Rick rolling is a popular thing you do on th- th- the internet did many years ago and still to this day yep. where you surprise him with that song and, um, And made that song immensely, even more successful than it ever was (laughs) back in the day when it was a hit in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And in fact, what was so cool about this is that Foo Fighters actually had Rick Astley up on stage with them at some point for some concert. So they they have some connection. uh, Oh, and they did sing Never Gonna Give You Up with Rick Astley on stage back in 2017. So very cool that that, uh, it all comes full circle with Rick Astley's Everlong cover. Cool. I highly recommend looking it up. Um, Otherwise, great job, John. Man, I learned a lot. Thanks for teaching me uh, some stuff about EDM and I, I I have a feeling you taught our audience as well. Yeah, hopefully. Having it some... was fun. Totally. Well, it's good to be on the mic with you anytime. We do have some guests lined up in the future, so so we will be back. Uh we'll be back soon bringing you more lack of genius goodness cuz we mm-hmm. uh, this is this is what we do. This is what we do, John. It's the Lack of Genius Podcast in your earholes at last. They don't know their
1: Mars and Venus. That's why it's the Lack of Genius Podcast. Getting jiggy with it.